Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. I've got a word that God has been steering in my heart over the past few weeks. Something that has been uh, so alive in my spirit, something that I've been praying about, something that I've been battling with and just asking God, Lord, how do we help us? Um, there's such a hunger and a, a thirst and a desire in my heart. And um, I think it's a desire that I've also sensed among us as a church. A desire to see God bring revival in our personal lives, in our families, in our, um, our congregation, but also in our towns and our cities. The issue of revival is what we need. One thing that we see right now is the fear of God has completely disappeared uh, in our communities, in our societies. And the very things that the Lord requires of his people is what is being resisted, fought, and no one has got anything to do with it. And one thing that has been staring in my heart was, Lord, help us to see with your eyes to hear with your ears and to be able to tap into what you are doing, that revival may break out again in our, in our nation and probably across the globe. Praise the Lord. And so the scripture that God has been uh, giving me, that has been, I have been meditating on, of which is the scripture I have uh, given the title of my message, is found in Genesis chapter 26. And so I'm going to read from verse 18 to verse 22. And the message that I want to bring this morning, I've entitled it, Redigging the Wells. Redigging the Wells. It's not digging, it's redigging. It's doing it again. And why I am saying redigging is one thing that I know about um, Britain. Britain is known for sending uh, missionaries all over the world. Uh, the, 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 the gospel of Jesus got to my own country that I was born in Zimbabwe coming from missionaries who came from this nation. So this nation has got a rich history of the move of God's power. People that God raised, they are our, you know, the British ancestors who walked with God in the power of God. We read stories of those who went before us, even from the past century, probably the past two centuries, who walked in power. British people who lived in this nation. And there is something somewhere that he had stopped that flow of the wells. Because what we used to see there and what we see now seems different. But what has happened? But I just sense that in this season, God is raising people to start redigging those wells. That we see uh, Britain rising up again, being a source of living water to this nation and to the nations of the world. And that's why I have entitled this message, Redigging of the Wells. Because there are wells that once gave living waters, but something has happened along the line, and something has stopped those wells. So I'm going to quickly read just these few verses. I'll read from verse, from, verse seven, uh, from verse 18, which says, it starts with end. I'll give you a background of what has been going on in a minute. It says, and Isaac... Dig, uh, and Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had, uh, which had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. 
So Abraham dug the wells. The wells were bringing forth water. But when Abraham died, there was no one to defend and to protect those wells. And as a result, the Philistines rose and they stopped those wells. They stopped when Abraham died. And he called their names after the name... Uh, right, I said... Um, Back to middle of verse 18. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names of which his father had called them before. He redug the wells and he called them the same name that his father Abraham had called them. And Isaac's servant digged in the valley and found uh, springs of water there. And the headsmen uh, of Gera did strive with Isaac's headmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name Well Essek because they strove with him. In other words, they dug the wells, they got to the water, but there was more resistance. And they said, You are not going to have those wells. So they took, the Philistines took over those wells again. But Isaac did not give up. It goes on to say, he digged another well and strove also, and they called that one, uh, and they called it Sitna. And he removed, and he moved from there and digged another well, and for that they strove not with him. And he called the name of it Rehoboth, and he said, For now the Lord has given us room. So, there, um, Isaac lived in the land of um, the Philistines in times of famine. And that was the time that he dug those wells that brought forth water, where, which was used to refresh the community. You know water that we get today? It runs from the taps. You just open the tap and you have water. In biblical times in this time, when you talk about a well, it was something very important because the well is the place or the source of their water, which means uh, their refreshment, uh, their meals, they, everything they needed for their livelihood, they would find it from the water that they got from the well. Their livestock also dependent on the water from those wells. They, uh, uh, they are, you know, their crops, their irrigation and stuff depended also on the water that was from those wells. So wells were very important for refreshment, for livelihood, for life to carry on. They needed uh, wells that bring forth water. Also, one thing about the wells is that at the well was the place where communities met. That is where they would meet every morning. Everyone is going to draw up water. They meet at the well. They talk. They reconnect. They fellowship. All those activities happened at the well. So when we spoke about the wells being uh, stopped, it's not as simple as, okay, they dug something and it was stopped. There was a stopping of livelihood. There was a stopping of refreshment. There was a stopping of community coming together. There was stopping of that fellowship that was uh, going on there. So when Isaac, when Isaac then lived in the land uh, years after Abraham, one thing that he realized is the wells have been stopped. 
but this community still need those wells. They still need that water for their living. So he started redigging those wells to bring back that livelihood in that community. And so it says uh, he started digging the wells. He got to the water, but they fought against him. He did not give up. He did it for the second time. They fought against him. In other words, they resisted what he was doing. They, they, they did not welcome what he was doing, but he did not give up. But the third time he dug and they got to the water. And scripture says at that point, they did not, uh, they did not strive with him. They could not resist him anymore. They realized that this man does not give up. This man is going to carry on until he accomplishes that which his mind is set to do. And then he calls that place Rahoboth, meaning the Lord has given us room. And that is what I am sensing this morning. That God is calling somebody who does not give up. He's calling us collectively as congregations, as a church, as people that he has called in a time such as this. To rise up to the resistance, to rise up to the issues of our time, to ensure that those wells are redug. Praise the Lord. Now continuing when we look in uh, throughout the Bible, when we talk about uh, Wells, when you talk about water, it talks about life-giving. Even Jesus, we talk about, um, you know, when you look at Jesus, when Jesus uh, uh, is talking about water, he uses water a lot as a symbol. We are talking about baptism coming next week. We get baptized where? In the water. And when Jesus was baptized in the water, scripture says he came out of the water and the Holy Spirit came upon him and things happened. So there's something about water that uh, scripture continues to bring up. Now when we continue in John chapter 4, we see a conversation between Jesus and a woman of uh, Samaria. The conversation happened at the well. And when Jesus had this conversation with this woman, they were at the well and they were talking about water at the well. And that conversation carried on and became a conversation about salvation. Jesus talks about water in terms of salvation. He also talks about water in terms of the Holy Spirit. Let's, uh, uh, let's just quickly read. I didn't give my scriptures to, be, to come there, so bear with me. I'll read from here. Uh, so when, when Jesus is uh, uh, talking about water, he uses it as a symbol of power, as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 7, 38 to 39, it says, uh, then uh, Jesus said to the, uh, and then Jesus said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. And it goes on to say, but this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing uh, in him would receive. For at that point, the Holy Spirit had not been given. I'm talking about Jesus. He says, um, out of your bellies, the issue of water comes again. The issue of the well comes again. He is talking about the Holy Spirit and what would happen with the Holy Spirit to those who, who would have believed in him. And he says, out of your bellies, some, some vision says, we well up rivers of living waters. So water is a symbol of power, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. When we talk about 
uh, the wells being blocked in our time. Even when we want to connect with what Jesus is saying here. We are talking about a blockage of the move of the Holy Spirit right from us as individuals. A well that would bring forth water that is life-giving, that gives hope, that gives uh, the light, that shows the way, that directs. When that has been stopped, communities have got a problem. When that flow of the Spirit of God has been blocked, we have got a problem. Furthermore, in John chapter 4, conversation between Jesus and the woman of Samaria. I did say they had a conversation. The conversation happened at the well. And they were talking about water. And this is how the conversation ended. And Jesus said, this is John 4, 13 to 14. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. The water now, the physical water. Whoever drinks will thirst again. Verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never be thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing into everlasting life. That is Jesus talking about salvation in terms of water. And he says that water would spring up and stay springing and stay alive into everlasting life. So when we speak about wells being stopped, we have got a big problem. We are talking about the life giving, we are talking about the spirit of God who flows out of us like a living, uh, like a well of living water. That is life giving, not only to us, but life giving to those who are around us. Life giving in our towns and in our city. And that life comes when those wells are welling up and bringing forth water. Praise the Lord. Now I want us to be thinking this morning, what is it in our lives, in our hearts that have frustrated or that have stopped the flow of that water? I did say we are talking about redigging, And what we are redigging is not the physical water, but we are redigging the water that Christ Jesus was talking about. The water that springs into everlasting life. The water that is uh, that flows out of our bellies uh, as living waters uh, giving hope uh, and giving life to those things uh, that appear to be dead. I pray that uh, we are moving together church. So the call of redigging, uh, it is uh, a reviving of that which has been frustrated. Uh, that which has been stopped. Uh, that which has been uh, that which has been tempered with until the life-giving waters cannot be felt or the life-giving waters cannot have the impact that they are supposed to be, to be giving. I am talking to us as a church. God has planted us in Burgess Hill. He has planted us in West Sussex to be a life-giving community, a life-giving uh, 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 life congregation to towns and cities that are in trouble, that are crying out, that are so thirsty, so hungry, whether emotionally, physically, or spiritually. The church has been planted as life-giving waters. But the question this morning is, what has frustrated the waters? What has stopped the flow of the waters, what has stopped the flow and the move of that power that God has given to those who have believed in him. Praise the Lord. It is a season of redigging and reviving. You know, I want us to be thinking, 
Because one of the things that comes to mind when I think uh, what is frustrated, sometimes life happens uh, and life can hit us, can hit us uh, in ways that are so painful, ways that are so frustrating. You know, there could be some of us here, we have trusted God for a turnaround on a certain situation, but the answer did not come at the time we expected it. That has really frustrated us, discouraged us, and drained us. And as a result, that has stopped the flow of living waters that we once have. The power and the energy, the zeal for God, the ability to hear the voice of God, to discern what God is saying and doing, maybe life has happened and frustrated and that well has been stopped. And this morning, this, the word to us is about redigging those wells, exploring what has happened to me as an individual. How about collectively as a congregation? What might have happened among us as a congregation that has restricted, restrained, or held back the flow of the living waters among us? God is calling a Isaac of our time who would stand and say, Lord, I am here. I have been frustrated by life. Life has uh, treated me in ways uh, that has really put me in the corner, that has really drained me. Life has really treated me in painful ways uh, that has frustrated the flow of that power. But Lord, revive me. You know, when we speak about revival, it does not start with the churches that are full of people. It starts with the hearts of people that are returning to the Lord and saying, God, we are ready. We Work with us to bring those life-giving waters. Praise the Lord. So that is one of the things. It's the frustrations of life. Sometimes it, uh, sometimes you are so frustrated that you wonder, God, I've heard people saying, where was God when these things were happening? And sometimes people ask those questions. And those questions sometimes remain unanswered. And it becomes a frustration that blocks the flow of that power. Praise the Lord. And the other problem that, uh, that we, we are encountering this time, I'm answering the question, what is blocking or what might have blocked the flow of the living waters? We are living in a, 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 a generation or a community or a time where our culture or the prevalent culture that we are living in is a culture that comes sharply against what the word of God says. I did say once upon a time our culture was built on the word of God. Prayer was said in every place once upon a time. God was honored in every place once upon a time. But a culture has been embraced in our time that stands sharply against what the, the word of God requires. One of the things is one thing that many of us have spoken about here. The issue of that people are resisting truth. People are starting to say there is no absolute truth. There is nothing like an absolute truth. Truth is subjective. And people would say to you, it is true to you, fine, but to me it's not true. And let me say, that's one thing that stands sharply against the word of God. The word of God tells us Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the foundation of the church is built on Christ Jesus. And he is the truth. So the moment we temper with the truth, we are tempering with the church. The moment we temper with the truth, we are tempering with the foundation upon which 
the church is built. And when we tamper with the foundation of the church, the power that we want to see, the effect of the church in our community, in our region, will start not to be evident. Why? Because we have undone the foundation on which the church is built, on the truth that is absolute. Our community talks of morals and looks at, at morals as also there is no absolute morals. Whatever, if it feels right for you, then it's fine. You go by it. If it makes you happy, then do it. But that stands also sharply against the word of God. Because the word of God is based on principles that the Lord has given us in his word. If we are to walk in the power and the authority of God, we have got to be in line with the principles, the values of the word of God. Now the problem with, uh, 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 with culture is that, you know, when we talk about uh, culture, culture is like uh, prevailing ways of thinking, ways of reasoning, thoughts, and ways of doing things that are, you know, collectively accepted among a group of people. And those things, they build and mold people. People are built and structured by their culture. So when you are living in a culture that has become so ungodly, the enemy takes advantage and he subtly starts to come in and penetrate. You know, the, 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 winning, or the winning bait of Satan is on the subtlety of his approach. He does not come hovering and puffing and showing you with a, a, a red, a, a, a red um, tail and things like that. No, he comes and penetrates through a culture that is so ungodly, a culture that is so immoral, a culture that does not fear God. And slowly we loosen our boundaries and we loosen our boundaries and the enemy filters and slowly, slowly the flow of the well of living water starts to block. Praise the Lord. I want us to understand. It doesn't matter what we choose to do. The word of God will not change and it will remain true. And the power of God is not our power. It's the authority of Christ Jesus. The reason why the church walks in power, in authority, why we experience signs and miracles is because we are under the authority of Christ Jesus. Jesus. But when we allow our ungodly culture to take over and we give in to what the world says, we give in to the principles of the world and we allow our life to start to line up with the world, it's a problem because it means we have given up our authority because our authority is based on us being under the authority of Christ. When we allow the enemy to take over even our lifestyle, it means we have given back that authority to the enemy and we see that the flow of the power is blocked. Why? Because we have disconnected from the source of the power which is Christ who is the, the, the way, the truth and the life. The other problem in our society is that of you know, pluralism. There is a plurality of religions. You pick and choose whatever makes you happy, whatever. Everything is equal. That's the problem. The problem is, okay, fine, let everyone believe what they believe. But we cannot gauge them as equal. 
because they are not equal. Scripture is clear. Jesus Christ is the only, uh, you know, example shows us who Christ is, who God is through the incarnation. And that was only Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. We are talking about things in our culture and our society that the enemy uses as a subtle, as a subtle weapon to penetrate the church, to penetrate the lives of the believers and empty them of their power. But the Lord, we are talking about God bringing back, reviving, redigging those wells. You know, if the power of God is to be manifested, God will be working with you and me. We are his hands and we are his feet. Praise God. So we talk about the manifestations of God's power. It takes us coming in alignment with what the Lord desires. So he works with us to manifest his power. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Do you know, I quickly ran out of time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, I was just talking about the examples and the things that frustrates the flow of the power, that blocks that the, the wells, that blocks the flow of the power of God. The struggle is real. You don't have to read a book about becoming immoral. You don't have to read a book or to watch a movie about uh, accepting falsehood or, you know, becoming part of something that is not of God. We live in a society that is so ungodly. If we are not vigilant enough staying connected with God, we slowly assimilate into that culture unknowingly. I did say the weapon of the enemy is the subtlety of his approach. So we absorb some of those things before we notice some things that we used to look at and say, God help me to stay out of this. We slowly start to give way and accept them and allow some of those lifestyle to infiltrate our lives. And as a result, we wonder, God, I used to hear your voice. What has happened? I really use, God used to reveal things to me. What has happened? When I used to pray, I used to feel God's presence. I used, you know, when I met people, I had an effect that was life-giving, that was hope-provoking. I don't know why these things have dried. Sometimes it's the culture that we have allowed to pacify our fire, to put off our fire. But I just sense that this morning, God is raising us individually as families, even as a congregation, in that season of redigging, exploring what has been stopped, what the enemy has tempered with, that we may see the power of God alive again. Uh, in our in our lives in our congregation and also in our towns and our cities. And I'll quickly just share three things because I've run out of time. I just said uh, some of the things we need uh, uh, to bear in mind or what we can do uh, to ensure that uh, we, 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 uh, we start to redig those wells uh, and keep the, 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 the living waters uh, moving. The, same th the first thing is uh, we have to rise up as a counterculture. You know when you rise up as a counterculture, it does not mean that uh, we are no longer in the world. Uh, 
It means that we are in the world. We befriend the ungodly. We live with the ungodly. But we stand as those who will not conform to the, uh, to the, to the doings and the lifestyle of, uh, of, this, of the world. Every time when you look in scripture, right from Genesis to the end, you look in the... Uh, in the, in the first books of the law, you look in the prophets, in the gospels, in the epistles, you see that God constantly calls his people out to be a counterculture or not to conform to the patterns of the world because conformity is the devil's weapon that he uses against against the, the church. When you, when, we, when you look in Leviticus chapter 18, God says to his people, don't be like them. Don't follow their practices. He was talking to his people when they were still in Egypt. And he repeated the same thing when they, when they were in Canaan. Don't be like them. He did not say don't live among them. Live among them, but don't be like them. There's this constant uh, balancing act of being in the world, but not being of the world. So it's no conformity, but while among them. We cannot pull ourselves out of the world because we have work in the world. But while we are in the world, we are not to, uh, uh, to be like them or to live the way that they live. You know, in Ezekiel, uh, 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 prophet Ezekiel also spoke the words of God and he says, um, you have not followed my statutes, but you have conformed to the standard. God was complaining to them. You are conforming to their standards and you are giving your backer to my word, to my statutes. You, you go further, you see Jesus speaking uh, in his, uh, uh, his common uh, sermon at the mount. He says in, 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 in just a short phrase, don't be like them. He was talking about the Pharisees and all the Lord that they lorded over the people. So we see God constantly calling people out. And even in our time, God is calling us out. He is saying, don't be like the world. Don't conform to their patterns. We talk about Christ's teaching in Matthew chapter 5. He talks about be the light. He says, you are the light. He says, you are the salt of the earth. And when the salt loses its saltness, what's the point of having it? And then it goes on to say, you are the light of the world. When the light has been lit and it's hid under the table, what's the point of having the light? So this is, a, this is all about a, no, do not conform to the worldly patterns. Rise up, let your light shine. Let the truth of God speak for itself. Let your life be a light in in places where darkness is reigning. Praise God. It says you are the salt. In other words, you, pre, you bring that pre, preserving effect into the world. But when you have stopped bringing that preserving effect, in other words, what's the point? Even as a church, if we cease to be the light in our community, if we cease to have that preserving effect in our community, what is the point? And God, and so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the how. It's a resist conformity and become a counterculture. Stand uh, sharply for the word of God and against uh, what the enemy says. Apostle Paul says the same thing in Romans chapter uh, 12 verse 2. Don't conform to the patterns of the world. Conformity means uh, just doing as the world is doing. Just talking the way they talk. 
just uh, exhibiting the same attitudes as they do. But God is calling us to the, out of that, out of certain ways of talking, out of certain attitudes. He is calling us out of certain lifestyles so that we stand tall representing the kingdom of God and the truth of God. And that is one powerful thing that will start to awaken the waters that have been frustrated, blocked by the subtle infiltration of the enemy to rise up sharply and stand for what is right. Praise the Lord. And the second thing is uh, we got to start to start to fan up the fire. So when we have, uh, we, we are standing sharply for what is true. We resist conformity. We are standing sharply as a, uh, a, as a counterculture to a culture of ungodliness and darkness. We are bringing light. The next thing we need to do is to fan up the gift of God. Um, in, uh, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, the first three verses, Timothy is told, the faith that was in you, Timothy, and then it says, that was also in your grandmother and in your mother, and now that faith is in you. I was, I'm talking about, uh, you know, our ancestors and where they have been. So when I read that about, about, uh, about Timothy, it excites me that it's generation to generation to generation. And Timothy is told, don't let this fire go off at, in your watch. Let it not be in your watch that you let that faith that has moved generations and you are in that faith. And he says, fan that, uh, that, fan that up. Bring that to, 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 uh, bring that to life. Breathe life on it. Praise the Lord. So fanning up, what does that look like? It means giving it life. Allowing it to be expressed. You know, one of the things I did say earlier, God works with us. We are his hands and his feet. God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. Every single one of us. We have got that faith to walk with God. We have got that faith to manifest the power of God. And every one of us carries a gift from God. And God is depending on you allowing that gift to find expression. Allowing that gift to flow out in order for things around us to change. And so God is calling us the part of redigging those wells, bringing that revival. It's us allowing the gifts that we carry to find expression. There is no need to hold back. There is no need to shut it off. Just allow the Spirit of God to speak through your mouth. Let the Spirit of God minister to somebody through your mouth. Let the Spirit of God bring hope to somebody through your mouth. We all carry. Some of us, they have got we have the gifts of the Spirit. Some of us carry powerful gifts in prayer, in, in probably prophetic gifts, gifts of worship, carry gifts of encouragement, of helps, of exalting others. When we all rise up and fan those gifts up and let those gifts catch fire, we will see things moving, not only among us in the church, but we'll see a shifting in our families. We will see a big shift even in our town. The honors is in our hands to allow our gifts to find expression. 
And once again, the question, some of us maybe, we have rose in those gifts. Something happened that has stopped the flow of that power. Something has stopped that well. Something has frustrated that gift. Maybe something happened that discouraged you. But this morning, God is doing something fresh. It's probably your morning to say, God, I bring back this gift. That you may give life on this gift again. That you breathe on this gift again. That this gift can start to be life-giving again. Right here, uh, collectively as a church, but also outside uh, where we spend our time. And the final thing uh, is that we need to stay connected to the source of power. We need to connect. I did say earlier on the authority that we have. The reason why we walk in power and authority and miracles happens by our hands, it's not because of us, but it's because of the authority of Jesus that we carry. And I did talk about the subtlety of the enemy who penetrates and drains us. The only way to be able to resist, to be able to see and to sense the, the, the approaches or the attacks, the subtle attacks of the enemy is when we are connected to the source of power Christ himself the last scripture that I'm gonna read which is in John chapter 15 from verse 5 it says I am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you cannot do anything there is a connection with God that we need to nurture that we need to nurture individually as families, even as a church congregation, a connection with God. Through prayer, we connect with God. By dwelling in his word, interacting with his word frequently, we connect with God. By maintaining an atmosphere, an attitude of worship, we remain connected with God. Verse 7 says on John 15, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever and it will be given. This is to my Father's glory that you may bear much fruit and make more disciples. Praise the Lord. Three things. It's a season of redigging. It's a season of allowing those wells that were stopped, whatever stopped your, stopped your particular well. It's time to say, Lord, I am coming. Reveal to me what frustration, what happened in life, what discouragement, what hopeless situation has stopped the flow of that well. Or what is it of our culture, probably that we have absorbed, that has frustrated, darkened, or that have caused us to almost give up our authority that Christ has given us. And he's calling us to connect back with him, to bring that fire. It's a season of redigging. I am talking to somebody this morning. Somebody would say, I know, I know I carry something powerful of God, but my life has been a frustration for too long, and I have lost that fire. But I sense this morning God wants to redig and allow that water to start to flow through you again. Sometimes even as a congregation, we talk of the times, if you have been a Christian for a few years, we talk of the times when you say those days, ah, this and this used to happen. The power of God used to move. Things used to happen. Powerful things. But we want to be thinking this morning, what has stopped those wells? What has stopped the flow of that, of that, of 
of that water. And I just sense that this is the time. And this is the moment that God wants to start up, to touch some people this morning, to just revive and bring back that fire, that power, that authority, that ability to be life-giving, those waters that have been frustrated. And collectively as a church, we, it is our prayer. We want God to help us to start to see those things among us as a congregation, among us collectively as a body. The things that have stopped the flow of the power, the power that we want to experience. Listen, I'm not saying there's no power in this place, but I am saying you can never get to the maximum with God. There's always next step and next step. Scripture talks about glory to glory, faith to faith. So there's even great things that we have not seen uh, that God wants us to experience uh, right here in Center Church uh, when we are willing to just surrender and say God we are ready to redig those wells thank you for listening to this week's message for any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church you can contact us at info at centerchurch.uk or check out our website at www.centerchurch.uk